Uh, amen. Him happy. Got a mic here somewhere, brother. Here it is. Well, it's certainly a joy to be able to gather tonight here again at Bethel. Appreciate the goodness of God. Lord is good. He's good all the time. My heart's been thrilled tonight through the good singing. I love singing that gets to my heart before it does my feet. Some of you will get that after a while. But about all we're hearing today. Doesn't come from the heart. But I appreciate the good singing anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the difference. And I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Brother Rick called me and said that the Jubilee, per se, had been canceled, and my heart kind of sank. I uh, enjoyed so much last year that I was uh, thoroughly looking forward to coming back. And then he said, but would you come on and preach to our people? And I said, I'll be more than glad to. And uh, it's a joy. There's, I, I preach all the time, and uh, uh, there's places that I go that I hope I don't get invited back. <laughs> and uh, I've been to numerous ones of those. But... Uh, there's some places you go that you feel at home, and this is one of those. I may have said this last year, but when I first met your pastor, we met over in other, up in Kentucky, and up near Cincinnati. And uh, first time I met him, I heard him preach, and I'd heard of it. Well, we'd met years ago just in passing, but we got to talk and fellowship, and I went home and told my wife. I said, I've met a preacher that uh, I feel like I've known all my life. And she said, well, that's unusual for you. (laughs) And uh, she said, because you're so hard to get to know. I said, well, it wasn't that he knew me. It's that I knew him. And so uh, I've I've enjoyed the time, and I'm looking forward to tonight and tomorrow night. God, don't change my mind. Uh, Tomorrow night I'll, I'll deal with the... Uh, coming again of Christ. And uh, the Lord's making me preach that in these days again. I, I believe we can see that His time uh, is drawing nigh. His coming is imminent. We, we need to understand that. His coming is imminent. But before He comes, I, I want to give tonight something that might help us until He does get here. And certainly uh, we need help from the Lord. I want us to open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I told Brother George, I said, Brother George, you're going to hear a rerun. And I told him what it was, and he didn't remember it, so that helped me. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And uh, this is probably the most familiar chapter in the book of uh, 1 Samuel, maybe in all the Old Testament. And if you've been in church any time at all, you've heard of David and uh, his stone that killed Goliath. But I'm amazed how this old familiar story, God has renewed it with, uh, with new words for these days that we're living in. Notice, if you will, in verse number 1, 1 Samuel 17. 
Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. Now I want you to notice it said they were gathered together. Now it's one thing to be gathered, but it's another thing to be gathered together. Uh, the, the, in other words, they were get, when you're gathered, you can be gathered for several reasons. But if you're gathered together, you're gathered for one reason. And they were gathered together, their armies, to battle. They were going to battle against the armies of God. I'm seeing that gathering together happening again today. It said... Uh, and they were gathered together at Shukloth, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shukloth and Azekah in Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array. Now that's amazing that. They set the battle in array. And uh, that, that just simply means... They had all that they needed, all the artillery. They had all that they needed there to go to battle, but they just set it in array. And we don't need to just set the battle in array. We need to do battle. Now notice, uh, and they set the battle in array against the Philistines, verse 3. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion. Now champion means he's never been whipped. This fellow's been successful in every bout, every fight that he's faced. He's never been whipped. But God had a champion too. He wasn't near as big as Goliath, but he had never been whipped either. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Brother Ernie, I've wondered, often wondered why the Holy Spirit put that span in there. Man, six cubits means he's over nine foot. What difference if he's three or four more inches taller? I just really think that it's teaching us that Goliath was a big man. That's important that we understand that. Verse 5, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with the coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and let me add, a target between his eyes. <laughs> and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. That's what got him in trouble. Anyway, verse 8, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me, and to kill me, then will we be your servants. Well, that wasn't so. 
But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I'll leave off reading there. I want to preach tonight on when two giants meet. When two giants meet. Let's ask God to help us. Father, thank you for the privilege you've given us together tonight in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the good presence of the Holy Spirit that I sense in our midst. Thank you for the good singing that has ministered to our hearts and cherished our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder that you're coming and coming soon. And I pray now that you would help us. You know the need. I pray, Lord, that, that, that your word would be a source of encouragement inspiration, maybe enlightenment tonight. I pray, God, that you would uh, work your will and your way in this place tonight. I admit to you and I recognize, I know it, you know it, that I'm nothing without you. Lord, I can do nothing without you. And I need your touch and I need your help. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow the Holy Ghost to put in the hearts uh, of these that are here, the way you put it in my heart, Lord, that, that it might be a word of help to us tonight. Deal in the hearts of those that are unsaved. I pray that your uh, blessed will would be accomplished, and for whatever is accomplished, you will get all glory for it. For it's in Jesus' wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now let me say on the outset that this story is probably, as I've mentioned, the most familiar story probably in the life of David. And it came as he was a young man. David did great exploits for the glory of the Lord, but yet this first battle, really it's not the first one, but it's the first one that really mattered to the nation. David has already fought battles out there in the fields with uh, taking care of his father's sheep. So David knows what God can do. Yeah. Let me ask you this tonight. Has anybody, has God been good to anybody in here? Has God brought anybody in here through any difficult times? Just as the pastor said, we can look back and see what God has done and know that God can still do. He's still on the throne. Hallelujah for that. Now, this story is not just about a young man killing a big man. It's not about small against large. It's not just all about that. But it's about the conflict between good and evil. Can I tell you, friend, that the conflict between good and evil is certainly raging today. 
I want you to know, friend, that there's two armies. There's two battles. There are, are there is two armies that's that's going to do battle. And we need to understand that the God, even though we look like the vast minority, we look like there's no way we could survive against the Goliaths of the world. Let me tell you that David may not be big compared to Goliath, but Goliath ain't big compared to David's God. And David's God is our God. And that same God is still on the throne. And the same God that took care of him, the same God that took care of Daniel, the same God that took care of the three Hebrew boys, he's our God. And he still can take care of of his own. I tell our people at the church during this during these days, we're not tempting God. We are trusting God. And there is a difference in tempting God and trusting God. Some some somebody came to me and heard us online. They didn't come, sent me a text. And they said, Preacher, you're acting as if none of this is real. Oh, it's real. And let me say to you that Goliath was real also. He was big. He was huge. He was large. But thank God there was somebody that believed God and God gave the victory. Amen. Amen. Well, you're right. There's some preacher around here. My voice may not hold out, so just listen fast and I'll preach fast. But notice here, we see that this conflict is between good and evil. I never thought I would live to see the day when evil is so prevalent. I'm talking about when evil now is not ashamed to expose itself. I'm amazed now how that evil has reared its head and challenged the good in an open arena. Used to evil, used to evil would do what they did undercover or in the back, in the back and try to slip it in. But now it's like Goliath. He's come, he's come to the forefront. And he said, send me a man. I've never been whipped. I've never been beat. There's nobody able to handle me. That's what the world is saying now. But our God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. We got a great big God. Hey, we may be little bitty Davids, but we got a great big God. Now, as we look at this, you know, this situation that David is facing is about when a situation has crossed his path and he has chose to enter into it. He could have walked away. David could have walked away like everybody else had walked away. I'm just here to tell you I've been in this thing long enough to know that God ain't going to walk away. And I'm going to walk on with Him 
And I believe God will take care of those that will say, we'll go. If the rest of the religious crowd don't want to go, let them stay here. But we'll go. We'll go. You see, it ain't, it ain't, we're not braggadocious. We're nothing. We're trusting a great big God. And He's our God. He's my God. He's your God. He's, uh, would you get this? He is our God. He's not a God that sits up on some mantle with a little fat belly. He's not a God that you can push around. I'm telling you, He's the God of glory. And He's in charge. He's in charge. Lord, help me to hurry here now. You see, you know, I wondered, Brother Rick, about this. I wondered how that one man, one man, I don't care how big he is. He's big. But my goodness, I don't care how big he is. How can one man keep a whole army at bay? I'm not talking about a group of men. I'm talking about one man standing, giving a challenge. How can one man, listen carefully to this. Holy Ghost gave me this. How can one man keep them at bay? I'll tell you why. In verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard Goliath, they were dismayed and afraid. You know what Goliath was using? He was using the element of fear. And when people are full of fear, fear and faith cannot dwell in the same person. Amen. You know why they were afraid? They were full of fear. And they let one man, I know he's big, but big deal. He ain't as big as the whole army. How could they let one man keep them at bay? Fear. Fear. But perfect love casteth out fear. Amen. Amen. See, when the Lord saved me, I was scared to death I was going to hell. For three weeks, I was under such conviction. I was driving a tractor and trailer at the time and couldn't, couldn't sleep when I went home. Boy, that's dangerous after about the second or third week. And, and, and I was scared to death. But when God saved me, peace took the place of that fear. Peace took the place of that fear. And fear never has replaced the peace that God put there. Amen. I'm telling you, if you believe God, you're believing the only power that's able to take care of you. You see, there was no possible survival for, for David. No, listen, no possible survival for David outside of divine intervention. If God did not help David, David has no chance. So David is not going out there in his own ability. He knows it. God knows it. And before it's over, the rest of Israel knows it. 
He's going out there in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Would you get that? You know, if we're not real careful, we'll look at them old old Bible, we'll look at those Old Testament Bible characters and we'll say, man, what superhumans. No. They just had a big God. And that God is still our God today. Somebody said, boy, wouldn't it have been amazing if we could have been Bible characters? Could I tell you that there's just as much written in the Bible about our day as there is any other day? So, being we're the church, you can find yourself in the Bible. We are Bible characters. And God is the God of that Bible. He's the God of the people of that Bible. We ain't no different than none of the other Bible characters. I can't get away from this point. I keep laboring here. Somebody just hadn't got it yet. God is our God. He's your God personally. Think about the great big God that we've got. And you belong to Him and He belongs to you. Well, let's look first here. i got three points, very elementary. I want to look at the challenge. There's a challenge issued. I won't reread, but you know the story. Goliath comes out. Send me a man. Evil is saying, I've got the upper hand. Nobody is going to come against me. I've got the upper hand. If you look at the news media, they'll tell you that evil has got the upper hand. You know what the news media are doing? They're broadcasting Goliath challenge. Listen carefully. The news media, 99% of them, are broadcasting Goliath challenge. And you know what the church has done? Run and hid. I'm not fussing, I'm being I'm t- I'm facing reality. The church has run and hid. You know what all of this was about shutting down the country? You know what all that was about is a test run. And I'll be honest with you, we shut down. We shut down three weeks. I transmitted in the parking lot for, th- for two weeks, went on f- online and, and did it for one week. I said, this ain't no good. The government, uh, and they said, you can't. I said, but we can. One fellow said to me, he said, preacher, don't you think that we need to render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. I said, yes, but the church don't belong to Caesar. The church don't belong to Caesar. The church belongs to Christ. She bought her with his own blood. And I'm not a, I'm not a, a, I'm not radical. I'm not a uh, seditionist. I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm not someone that will raise up a rebellion against government. 
But I want to tell you when they come to tell us that we cannot because they say we can't because God ain't big enough to take care of us. I want to tell you God is still on the throne and we're going to have to be David's. Somebody said that we're too small. Yeah, but look at God. Listen very carefully to this. God don't have no Goliaths. All he's got's David's. God don't have any Goliaths. Because Goliath is going in the energy of his own ability. All God can use is David's. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Bless his name. Somebody said, Preacher, we're the vast minority. But God has always been for the minority. His children are the minority. It's always been his little flock. Oh, this is helping me tonight. Oh, bless his name. What a God we've got. And he said, if you'll call unto me, I'm a listening. And he said, I, there's nothing that I cannot do. He said, unto me, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. Do we believe this Bible or not? Did you know something? Between now and the time we go home to heaven, Believing God and trusting God is going to be more than just a religious cliche. It's going to have to be a way of life. It will be a way of life. These days, these days is going to separate who is and who ain't. And we're... I preach for 40 years that these days is coming. And they're here and I can't hardly believe it. But they're here. Listen to me. I don't want to get sidetracked here and you tell me when I'm, when I'm done. I'm just saying, in the book of Daniel, listen carefully to this. In the book of Daniel, there's more minute details about end time uh, days in the book of Daniel than in all of other uh, uh, prophets put together. Daniel, God gave him some unusual revelations about the last days. And then he gave him a whole bunch that he didn't even write down. Daniel knew. But there's two episodes in Daniel that seem to me out of place. The three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace and Daniel in the den of lions. Why is that those two episodes in a book that deals with the end times. Well, I, we know that the three Hebrew boys is a picture of the tribulation saints going through the tribulation because they won't bow, they're not going to bow to that image. And they're going to have to endure the fire to be able to come out on the other side, but the Lord will walk with them if they'll let him during that time. But what about Daniel? Daniel, I believe, is a picture of the end time church. The law of the land said you can't. But the Daniel said I'm going by the law of the Lord. 
And the law of the Lord said, Daniel, you go ahead and pray like you've been praying. And he did. And it got him thrown into the den of lions. But you know what the Bible says? That Daniel survived that den of lions because he believed his God. You know why Daniel wasn't in the fiery furnace? The church is gone when that happens. Meditate on that. And I'm just simply saying that the church, we may face the lion's den per se before we go home. But the same God that took care of Daniel can take care of us. Y'all understanding this? This is real. Uh, This is real. What I'm preaching to you tonight is real. There's no telling what we're going to face. There's no telling what. If the Lord don't come soon, boy, I don't want to to say more than I need to say. But if if, if this left-wing crowd gets in, we're in real trouble. And, th- and when you vote this year, you're not voting parties anymore. You're voting a good and evil. I, I'm not, I won't say no more. I'm just telling you, it's not a party thing no more. It's, it's, it's either anti-Christ or Christ. Amen. We're reaching, we, we've come to that place. I would never tell you who to vote for. I'd tell you who not to. <laughs> you see, this challenge here, the challenge was large. Verse 4, it tells about how big Goliath is. He's, it's large. He's, the challenge is large. The challenge today is huge. It's large. It's got the whole church backed in a corner. The challenge is large. And the challenge is loaded. What do you mean? They've got, Goliath had all of the armor that he needed to win. You know, they spent three verses telling us about what all Goliath had on. You know why that is, I believe? You know what Israel was trying to do? They was trying to grow another Goliath. But I'm going to tell you, the church don't need to grow big enough to combat the evil. We just need to believe God. Amen. We'll never be, get as big as Goliath. Right. But we don't need to. We don't have to. We have God who's bigger than Goliath. Are y'all understanding? Yes. We're in a real situation tonight. God's just waiting for somebody to say, we're going to believe you, God. And step out. We believe God. You come to us with sword and shield. You come to us with all of your armor. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of heaven. (laughs) Somebody said, preacher, you're a fanatic. That is very foolish. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to believe God in these days. Amen. Trust Him fully, completely. Amen. Trust Him. We need to be sensible. Take care of yourself. Yes, 
do the social distancing. Do, wear the mask. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let it back you in a corner to where you're cowed down and full of fear. And a person full of fear can't ever worship God. I promise you that. Well, Lord, help us. You see, you know, the challenge was large. The challenge was loaded and the challenge was long. Look what it said in verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Now, David comes on the scene the morning, morning of the 40th day. David comes on the scene. As far as David knows, this is the first time Goliath's given that challenge. He just got there. He didn't know it had been going on for six weeks. David didn't know that this challenge had been going on for 79 times Goliath has come out and said, send me a man. And every time he does it, the people of God turn and run. Oh, oh God. The church don't have to turn and run. The church don't have to turn and run. I say it again, we're not tempting God, we're trusting God. You know, you know, the real challenge here, the real challenge is who you're focused on. The whole nation, the whole army of Israel was focused on Goliath. David was the only one focused on God. And guess who came out victorious? See, though your focus don't when you're focused on Goliath, he's all you can hear. When you're focused on Goliath, he's all you can see. We don't need to listen to Goliath. We don't need to only see Goliath. There's one bigger than Goliath. And that's God. You know what they were all doing here? And you'll know this is right. You know what, the, you know what all the army, was, uh, army of Israel was doing? Talking about Goliath. You know what they talked about around the campfires at night? Goliath. You know what they talked about when they got up in the morning? Goliath. Nobody was thinking about God. God had been forgotten. You know what I'm seeing? God help me. And don't hate, please, if, let me come back some, some other time too, okay? But I'm just simply saying, you know what they, you know what I'm seeing in this day? I'm seeing the church focused on Goliath. Amen. That's all they're hearing. And that's all they're seeing. God's needing a handful, Brother Ernie, to focus on him. Boy, this is getting in my soul. Oh, somebody said, preacher, but you're just one preaching to a small minority. Yeah, that's what we've got here. But he was victorious because he believed God. You see, 
We need to, you know who we, don't, don't, don't talk to Goliath. Don't talk about Goliath. Talk to God about Goliath. <laughs> and uh, you see, they didn't, they didn't need to grow another Goliath. All they needed was somebody that could believe God. That's simple. It's profound, but it's simple. They just needed somebody to believe God. I won't say this right here, and I'll move on, and I won't be much longer. But you know, David had to decide which battle he was going to fight. See, there's three battles that come up here. As I was meditating on this, Eliab, his, young, his older brother, David said, well, I'll go. Who's going to go down there and fight Goliath? And Eliab said, what are you doing down here, boy, in a man's world? Who did you leave them few sheep with back yonder in the wilderness? You know what I thought? I wonder what would have happened if some of that scared crowd had been taking care of the sheep when the lion and the bear came. What if them, what if those down there in the man's world had been taken care of? You know what I'm seeing today? I'm seeing a lot of shepherds forsake the flock because of the lion and the bear. But not David. You know why it ain't David? He's still got that oil dripping off of him. Where, where, where he'd been anointed by Samuel. Holy Ghost to make you do stuff yes. that you didn't think you would do. You're right. Brother Robbie, over there at your church, don't, don't let them talk you into backing down and cowing down. You tell Jimmy I said that to you. Hey, I, hey I'm just simply saying, I'm, let me say it again, we are not tempting God. We're trusting God. He could have chose to fight the battle with his brother and argued with him. And then he could have chose to fight the battle with Saul when Saul was trying to tell him, you can't go. He could have stayed there and argued with Saul all day. But he kept his focus on where the battle was. And the battle was Goliath. Listen to me carefully. I've chose not to fight the battle with the brethren. And Saul is a the political system. I've chose not to fight the battle with the political system. I've chose to keep my focus on who the enemy really is. We just continue going on like we've been doing. I ain't getting out of line, am I, brother? Listen. You see. Thank you. You see, I see here the challenge. And then I see the confidence. And I, I'll just mention this. You, you know the story as good as I do. In verse number 34, when David was talking to Saul and Saul was trying to talk David out of going, David said unto Saul, verse 34, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. I love that. He didn't say he was a shepherd. said he was a servant. <laughs> it's, a, it's really a servant that keeps the sheep well. Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a, a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. They just didn't attack the flock. They took a lamb out of the flock. 
And that's who the enemy wants, is the lambs. <laughs> and I went out and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. If we don't deliver the lambs out of the mouth of what's going on, they're going to consume our youngins. If our youngins don't see God in us, they sure ain't going to see it nowhere else. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, in other words, that moreover, he said, Now, hang on just a minute, Saul, let me finish. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. You know what I see there? Confidence. There's a challenge, but I see confidence. I don't see anywhere that David exhibits any fear of Goliath whatsoever. Did you hear that? David knows how big he is. David knows what he's capable of doing. But I do not see David exhibiting any fear at all. You know why? He's, all, he's young, but he's already seen God come through for him before. And he knows God ain't going to let him down now. And God's come through for us before. And he'll continue to do so if we'll but just keep our faith and trust and believe in, in him. Amen. David was full of faith while the rest of them was full of fear. I pinned this down because I figured I'd forget it. Don't think it strange when you're not as worried as you thought you ought to be worried. You know what the world will say about us? Inconsiderate. Inconsiderate. They'll say, no compassion. No sense is what they're saying about us. You've got to listen to the scientists. I'm going to listen to the Scripture. I know this is a big mouthful. But you know why you're not as worried as you thought you would be? Because there's the peace from God that passes all understanding. You can't figure it out. It's God that's doing it. Brother Ernie, you know why you're not going to be as worried as you think you're going to be when it comes down time to start that proton therapy? There's a big old God living in you. And the same God, Miss Deb, is in you too. I got a 13-year-old grandson who's Downs. I got a 10-year-old grandson who's autistic and is 10 and doesn't speak, hadn't ever spoke. And there was one fella told me, he said, I don't know how in the world you live like you do and you go on like you do. And you carry on like you do under this situation. And that, those, those two situations has added multiple situations. Amen. It keeps us drained financially and we don't care. But you know why I ain't worried about it? There's a big old God lives in here. Amen. 
It's not that we don't care. We do. But you just can't be worried if God living in you. And, and the biggest part of you in you is God and He ain't worried. Let me close. There's the challenge. There's the confidence. Please get that. There's the conquest. Verse 49. David put his hand in his, in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it, smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now, it, people of God's been fleeing before until one man said, I'll go. One young man said, I'll go. Before the day's over, the other crowd is fleeing. Scared. Listen carefully. They, in, the Philistines had all of their faith. Listen carefully. The Philistines had all of their faith in one man. The enemy had all their faith in one man. And when that man went down, they went berserk. I don't have to labor there. You put that together. It's going to happen again. But I see here... Saul said, David, put my armor on. David even tried it on said, it won't work. He said, this is too much like Goliath's armor. Amen. You know what kind of armor David had? Same thing we got. You couldn't see it, but it sure did work. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Ephesians 6, he had the same armor we got. Yes, sir. Amen. His trust in God. His belief in God. You see, David only made himself available to be a channel for God to exhibit His power through. That's all God's looking for today is a place where He can exhibit His power. People that are believing. Somebody said, boy, David was a good shot with that slingshot, wasn't he? I don't know. I'd say he was pretty good. But that day, it didn't make any difference. It wouldn't have made any difference if he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. He could have shot the... Goliath could have been here and the rock could have went that way, but it was going to hit Goliath in the forehead. You know why? Because the Bible said he put a stone in his sling and slang it. Didn't say he aimed it. He slang it. I love that. You know what God's looking for? Somebody just slang a rock. Somebody said, but I can't. Oh, God's wanting somebody. Here's what I think happened, and you can take this or leave it. It don't make no difference to me. 
I believe when that rock left that sling, God grabbed that rock, grabbed Goliath by the back of the head, bam, slammed that rock into his, because it said it sunk up in his forehead. And when God hits you between the eyes, you've had it. And, and, he hit it, and he hit him right there, and then he shoved his face in the ground and said, David, go over and get his sword and cut his head off. God's just looking for somebody to trust him. Two giants are meeting today. The preacher I don't see but one giant. Oh, but look at David's God. He's a whole lot bigger than their giant. Our giant is bigger than their giant. Hallelujah. I'm glad I can preach that with Holy Ghost running up and down my spine. I'm glad I can say that and know it's the truth. He's our God. Brother Rick, you do whatever you need to do for invitation. But let's stand with our heads bowed. Father, I sure do want to thank you.